I think people really do care about sustainability, but for them, it's kind of an afterthought. So Mm -hmm. it needs to check off these boxes of what's in it, what's the nutrition, most importantly, what does it taste like? And then if all those boxes are checked, then they do care about the sustainability of it. With COVID and in the US, there was all these outbreaks at the meat meat uh, processing plants and everything. And I think that really started to open up people's eyes to this idea of like, where is your food actually coming from? And what's actually happening to it before it gets to you? Hi there, food enthusiasts. We're here again to talk about the future of food on the Future Foodcast. And today, really excited to have with us um, Alessandra Amato from Algae. And she's going to tell us all about how she got into this space and bring us some highlights on what she sees happening in the food space and the trends that she's helping to set. Good afternoon. I think it is afternoon for you, Alessandra. Welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Excellent. And, you know, as we get started here, um, I think in some of the earlier discussion we've had, you have a very interesting, what we say, origin story and how you came into this business. And I think it'd be great for our guests to understand a little bit of the background that led you into this space um, before we start talking about the details of the business itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Algae was started myself and my business partner, Devin, um, out of Queen's University uh, in Kingston in Canada. Um, we, I was a kinesiology student. Uh, I really didn't care about food um, too much. And Devin was a um, commerce student and a global development, stu- global development student. And mm. we were participating in a summer innovation program at Queen's University and basically had the entire summer to just try to solve a problem, uh, find something that we were passionate about and try to come up with a solution, no strings attached, no need to kind of continue on with it. Um, and we, Devin and I, that's where we met. We really bonded over our shared passion for sustainability and eating. Um, mm-hmm. We both love to eat. I think that's a huge part of being in the food industry. Yeah. Um, and we were trying to find something to work on over the summer, really had no idea. Um, and we came across a CNN and a Forbes article claiming that algae was the food of the future. And I think my first reaction was, that's disgusting. Why would anyone want to eat mm-hmm. algae? And as we kept reading about it, really started to see all of the amazing benefits that it has. Um, Mm -hmm. At that time, Devin had been vegan for a few months and I was trying to go um, Mm plant-based, but was really struggling because I'm anemic and I'm allergic to soy. And so with the options that were available in the market, um, I just couldn't find anything that was going to give me a balanced diet. Um, I ended up just cutting Mm -hmm. meat out of my diet, which led to a whole bunch of other health problems. And so to me, algae really spoke to me as the solution for this. Um, And so a lot of the benefits, so there's a lot of nutritional benefits. So it's, it's high in iron, it's high in protein. It is a complete protein, uh, which is, so it's one of the only plant-based sources that does have all of the essential amino acids. It's where fish get their omegas from. So, you know, by kind of eating algae, Mm -hmm. you're cutting out the middleman. Um, tons of just vitamins, minerals, nutrients. It was just incredible. Um, and then the environmental aspect of it is that it has a negligent resource demand. So it doesn't require arable land. 95% of the water used gets recycled. Um, it uses CO2 to grow. So it's often used, it, you know, people will capture the CO2 and use that to grow algae. And um, it has an incredibly high yield. So it can go from farm to table in only eight hours. Um, mm. So there's a lot of implications about 
feeding people very quickly um, and very fast and you know nutrient nutritiously. Um, so we really felt like there was this future. And I think more for personal interest than anything else, we started looking online to try to see what algae-based foods were out there and really didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. What we really saw was supplements and powders. And I personally am not a huge smoothie person. And to me, you know, that's what you put supplements in and powders and you put them in your morning smoothie and you just pack that full of, of goodness. But I mm-hmm. hate doing that. So um, there really wasn't, you know, I didn't see a lot of uses for this. And I think mm-hmm. that for us was that light bulb moment when we were like, mm-hmm. wait a second, what can we do with this? And so for the rest of that summer, we, you know, went into our kitchens and just played around with different food products that we made ramen mm-hmm. noodles, we made pasta, we made cookies, nachos, hummus, desserts, like literally anything we could think of, we would try to make it with algae. And we're surprised, honestly, with ourselves at how successful they were you know for a first or second attempt they actually tasted pretty good they you know good texture good consistency mm-hmm. um so we brought it out to farmers markets different community events and just gave it away to people and we're like mm-hmm. what do you think um and got such positive feedback that that's really what got us started down this whole path yeah. um, and got us to where we are today it's an amazing uh story of getting started and it all it all sounds like it for you and your co-founder, it sounds like this started with, uh, if you will, a quest for sustainability in, in food. And that is definitely a theme that we have in this uh, podcast. So it's one of the great reasons why you're joining us today. Um, but as you also started to describe a little bit, um, it's great to be sustainable. It's great to have a wonderful raw material. But then you have this quest for the product and the quest for the consumers that might want to consume this product that they might normally think about in other contexts of, you know, being in a pond or something like that. <laughs> and maybe let's dive in a little bit more to, you know, your path through un- understanding, you know, both from your side, but from your consumer customer's side, what they want to eat, what their, um, what their health conscious um, interests are and, and how you ended up crafting your initial products and, and reaching that point that you're at today. Yeah. So I think, you know, when we were going to these events and we were talking to people um, before we, what we decided our first product was going to be people, the, the really key thing that we got from, from people was they wanted something that they could just seamlessly integrate, you know, people they're working all day, they're dealing with their kids, they're at school, whatever the case may be, they're busy all day. And they found it. A lot of people did want to eat plant-based both for the health and the environmental reasons, but just felt so overwhelmed and confused Mm. and then just felt like I don't have time to sit down at night and do all this research and figure out like, you know, how do I pair up the different beans or lentils or whatever to Mm -hmm. get the, you know, the vitamins and minerals that I would be getting from, you know, just having a piece of chicken or something. And so that was a lot of like, I just like, it's a lot, it's overwhelming. I don't know what to do. I just need something I can, I can just switch in Mm -hmm. and so I think that for us really spoke to one, the potential that, you know, we are using spirulina algae and, and the pen- potential that it has uh, to create these products, but also just like, how can we, how can we make these products that they can just replace very easily mm. the other products they're already consuming? Um, and so, you know, 
know where I was going with that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, obviously a lot of great um, sort of benefits from algae and the spirulina in particular. And, you know, the nutritional benefits, as you described for yourself or your co-founder, very important in people that are trying to, or actually are being vegan or have other reasons that to pursue a plant-based diet. Um, what's your experience on those or with those who may not be vegan or who are also happy to sit down and have a hamburger? And what's the experience in helping them to understand why this might be a product for them and, and why this type of sustainable food should be important for them? I think we're at an age now where everyone knows that, you know, there's, there, we're in a climate crisis, sustainable actions need to start being taken. Um, everyone knows that. I think a lot of times people, again, are just overwhelmed with, there's 10,000 things that I could be doing. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my habits of, you know, eating specifically. I have things I like to eat. I think have things that I'm comfortable with and are familiar to me. And so for a lot of people that change is very difficult, especially doing something like algae. You know, most people don't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. As you said, they think of it as like pond scum when they first yeah. think of it. So they're not thinking of it as a food. Um, and so there's, there's definitely been an education piece associated with just the algae um, mm -hmm. in addition to the plant-based. I think, you know, products like Beyond Meat and uh, Impossible Burger mm -hmm. were really like, revolutionary because mm -hmm. getting those people who typically wouldn't do it. And again, I think it's that seamless integration, you know, they're able here in Canada, they're able to go to A&W and just order a plant-based burger as easily as they would order a beef burger. Mm -hmm. And so having that, I think has really helped. And that's really what we hope to kind of follow that trajectory of creating these products that mm. is just easy for people to use and make easy for them to understand. Mm -hmm. uh, there is going to always be an education component around algae because it is such a novel food product. Um, right. Even it's been used for centuries, and yet for some reason people are—I don't know why today people do not know what it is. I didn't know what it was before I kind of started on this path. But mm -hmm. um, so I think there's there's the education piece is always there. Um, right. But having these products that are really easy for people to comprehend um mm -hmm. you know our first product is an energy bar and while it's yeah. not going to make you know quite the impact that we want to it's what we needed to do as a first product to really right. help people understand and conceptualize it before we can move on to more impactful products that we do want yeah. to create now that's great and as you i think we're suggesting before there's you know in the in the world we're in now it's easy for people to understand you know, the nutritional value of products. We know where to look on packaging to see that. We know how to read that. Um, also, you know, these groups like uh, Impossible and Beyond have done a tremendous amount of heavy lifting on the marketing side to sort of break through and, and help people understand why this might be important and that it is actually palatable. Um, and as you said, you know, your first products are these energy bars. And, and maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, how you formulated these energy bars and, and how you're communicating to consumers, again, those who may not even be vegan, that why, why is this important to you? Why do you want to eat this today? Yeah, I think, well, the first thing is that when we started, we actually were very, very against bars. Everyone was like, you should do a bar first. And we were like, absolutely not. We don't want to do this. Um, we want to do you know, something more impactful. And mm -hmm. 
eventually just had to kind of be like, you know, enough customer feedback of people saying, I want a bar that we had to do it. And so really the way that we went around, you know, developing that we were two students at the time, we had no money, we still have no money, <laughs> like, we're just figuring it out. And our only experience with food really was like making ourselves dinner at night, like we don't mm-hmm. have any food experience, any background. in mm-hmm. And so it really was us going on like, cooking blogs and watching YouTube videos to be like, how did they make a bar? Um, Mm -hmm. And what ingredients did they use? And, you know, going and just getting all these different ingredients and just trialing different formulations um, and, and doing that. I think with algae and the spirulina, the spirulina itself on its own has a very umami earthy flavor. And so Mm -hmm. we really needed to find different ingredients that were going to complement it or even like complement it or mask that taste. Um, And once we kind of found the, you know, the set of ingredients, it was playing around with the formulations, playing around with different ingredients. We'd, we'd make a few batches, give them out to friends, colleagues, we'd go on campus and just pass them around and see what people thought and, and take all that feedback and then head back into the kitchen and keep playing around, keep tweaking the formulations and that's really how we got the bar to, to where it is. We kind of got it to 90%, um, eventually worked with a food scientist to just help us create a, a stable formulation that we could scale up mm. for like large production runs. But it was really just us in our kitchen, like tweaking and playing around. And that was honestly super valuable just to really be out there and be talking to people at every step because we were getting so much feedback um, and obviously on the product itself, but just to in like, going out to them, up to them and saying, here's this bar and trying different points mm-hmm. of, of the benefits and the different features and s- seeing what they resonated the most with. Um, and what we learned, which I think is, is pretty common in, in the food industries, taste is the number one priority. So mm-hmm. if they don't like the taste, they're not coming back and they don't care um, mm-hmm. about anything else. So that was always mm-hmm. number one for us. Um, then the second thing is, is the nutrition um, and the ingredients. So I think people really do care about sustainability, um, but for them, it's kind of an afterthought. So mm-hmm. it needs to hit, check off these boxes of, you know, what's in it, what's it, what's the nutrition, most importantly, what does it taste like? And then if all those boxes are checked, then they do care about the sustainability of it. Mm-hmm. And that is a factor. And maybe that will help them to push towards purchasing our products over other mm-hmm. products. Um, so we've really had to kind of craft the messaging around the bar to be like, yeah, it's sustainable, but also here are all these other great things. So mm-hmm. you know, our bars are clean ingredients. Um, again, this just comes back from us not even knowing how to use anything but whole ingredients. Um, right. And just, yeah, the clean ingredients, the the high energy that comes from the algae. So it, it really mm-hmm. gives you like a long lasting burst of energy. Um, the like high protein, high iron, high omegas that's in the bar, all of those things that we really had to push instead of the kind of sustainability aspect and then just Mm -hmm. kind of stick that in as an afterthought. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I think I want to come back to some deeper discussion on how you're engaging with your customers because what what you're finding here, you know, some companies might spend hundreds of or say maybe tens of millions of dollars in their market research, um, but you're finding these results um, in a very obviously on the ground way. Yeah. Before diving further into that, um, I thought it'd also be interesting to hear a little bit more of your challenges as an entrepreneur. 
um, you know, small startup company moving into the food space, which there's probably a lot of blocking companies out there that are not real welcoming of bright new ideas unless it's theirs. But what would you say are some of your key challenges as an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh, so many things. <laughs> I know there's so many. <laughs> what are my top ones today? <laughs> I think, you know, the, the key one that stands out is just how novel that like algae as an ingredient and, and is, um, you know, we've had some interactions with some of the largest food companies uh, in Canada and they just kind of dismiss us as like, oh, that's a cute idea, which honestly I don't hate because, you know, we get to kind of have this comeuppance and that underdog story, but because we know that like the market is showing that this, this is where it's headed, you know, algae-based foods is, is where it's headed, but um, you know, we just get dismissed a little bit and it's, it's a little bit frustrating because you're like, no, I need help. Like I need support. I want to ask you questions. And they're just like, oh, this is like cute, mm. but like, don't go away. Like we yeah, don't care. Yeah. Um, and so we're finding that, you know, initially, and I, I don't hate that because, you know, right now we really have in Canada, we're the only company doing this. So we have this, the whole market right now is as us, which is great. Um, but I think with that, there also comes the challenges of you know, not having that competition. So then mm -hmm. not building as much awareness. And so there's, there's all of that. Um, and I would say too, just with funding as well. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big thing, you know, funding for us has been a huge challenge. And one thing we're seeing is um, in Canada, there is a big push towards, especially in Alberta, there is a big push towards, you know, plant-based mm -hmm. protein. Um, there's a whole research super cluster about it. And, you know, here I am being like algae, so high in protein, it's plant-based, it uses waste to grow. So it's like mm -hmm. a perfect negative thing. This is great. They're going to love this. And they're like, yeah, bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, go away. Uh, we don't care. You're not, you're not like soy or corn or beans. So, right. so yeah, I think well. it's just that, that like general lack of knowledge and understanding um, has really hindered us. And then again, same thing with consumers because they don't know what this is. So we have to educate mm -hmm. them. Um, I would say that's kind of the biggest challenge in this space. Yeah. Well, certainly um, product awareness, value awareness, you know, this is one of the challenges that early leaders like yourselves experience in all sectors, not just the food sector. Yeah. Um, but it, it sounds like you're making great progress on this and um, you're, it's at the right place at the right time. So it's not, these entrepreneurial challenges are certainly going to be overcome and it, you yeah. definitely have uh, proven that you're committed to it. <laughs> yes. Well, let's dive back then into the discussion on, or a discussion on really your marketing approach and how you're connecting with customers. Um, technology is such a huge component of all products today and in the food space, um, especially what the world's been experiencing over the last 18 months, it's really changed people's approaches often to how are they contacting their customers? How are they educating their customers? Um, and, and maybe you could talk a little bit about your thoughts on what you've experienced so far in, in terms of technology helping you to reach customers and what you see going forward over the next several years? Yeah, I think to like start right back from the beginning, um, going to these events and just passing out food and, you know, as we were prototyping the bar, giving it out to just as many people as we could really helped us to just identify what our key segment was. We actually mm -hmm. found five different 
groups that we could target as a kind of our beachhead. And mm-hmm. um, I think that was, you know, with algae, like it's, it's again, it's just so new. There's no one we can look to to say, what did they do? Um, right. Because it's, it's just so new. Mm-hmm. Um, so we identified what that key segment was um, and or sorry, we identified the five key segments and then from there decided to focus on one. And what that one is, is endurance athletes. Um, So with that, um, you know, we relocated our business from Ontario to Alberta um, because being in that Canmore, Banff area was really crucial to Mm -hmm. us because that's kind of those consumers. So the endurance, super active, outdoorsy, Mm -hmm. very conscious of what they're putting in their bodies. is, is kind of who we're, we're initially targeting. And so with that, just so far, what we've done is really like boots on the ground, as you mentioned, like mm-hmm. getting out there, talking to people um, with COVID. It's, it's definitely, you know, that's how we started. And then with COVID, we had to stop that. And it was a huge scramble um, because I think when COVID first hit, we were still really trying to clarify who our target market was. So just running some ads and seeing, you know, with these different segments and seeing what fit best um Mm -hmm. but then after that once you know things started lifting a little bit we could go to more community events especially in the summers um again just going out and talking to people for us has been really the the best way to reach people Mm -hmm. one of the things because of this kind of endurance athlete group is so key um and you know we envision people know while they're racing or going for a ride like having these bars and using it to kind of maintain their energy levels and we're talking like like hundreds of kilometers of of biking or like Mm -hmm. very long long duration activities Mm -hmm. um and so actually sponsoring a lot of these events and showing up to these events ourselves Mm -hmm. and being able to talk to people for us has been the best way so actually not even using technology um Mm -hmm. And kind of going against that and really being able to immerse ourselves within, I think both Devin and I are within that target market anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works because we, we fit into that, but really just immersing ourselves with them and talking to them and sampling yeah. is, is so, so important, especially with something like algae. So that's really been what, what we've actually focused mm-hmm. on in terms of connecting with our right. customers because once they try it and they are able to see, like, I was dying on this ride and I had this bar and it saved me. They're like, immediately they're, they're hooked. And so mm-hmm. getting people in that situation is, has been the key for us. Yeah. Well, it, it's uh, been interesting for me over uh, uh, quite a number of interviews and talking with leaders such as yourself um, on this same topic of, you know, how do you get in touch with your customers and almost all of them have had a similar reaction in terms of, you know, the best way, you know, we're talking about food here, it, price is important, all these things are important, but at the end of the day, it's what's it taste like? And having that direct experience, you know, face-to-face with potential customers has always been important. But I think also something that probably all of the uh, product developers are working with it as you're expanding your market, and as things like COVID come around, um, people have been using technology in new ways. Yeah. And I think it sounds like that's something that you're going to get more involved with as the product grows up and hitting your the target market that you've been describing. Yeah, I mean, like going to events, like we're, we're just always at events um, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not you know sustainable as we continue to grow up but and, and build up our company. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely like 
to get those first few people. And we're going to have to get really, really creative um, mm -hmm. in terms of how we build our brand and how we are able to connect and engage with consumers. So I think, yeah, we, right now it's been key, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's definitely not sustainable as we kind of scale and expand right. across Canada and, well, US and everything. It's the starting point and that's important. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of sustainability, of course, there's a strong interest as you described both yourself and consumers in this area these days. Um, sometimes along with that goes, if you will, the transparency of what's, what is in the food, um, what is, where, what's the supply chain like, but in, in terms of, um, you would say trans product transparency to consumers, is that is something that's been important to people that you've been talking about? And if so, in what aspects of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think because it's algae and it's new and no one knows what it is, they're already really hesitant about what am I putting in my body? And so mm -hmm. then a big question we get is, well, what else is in it? Um, mm. What what else is in the bar? And for us, you know, we we have two flavors. One has six ingredients, one has seven ingredients. They're all whole, unprocessed, you know, real food ingredients that consumers actually know and actually mm -hmm. recognize. And so it builds a lot of trust. And and I didn't really think of this as being important, but the, it's been shocking to me the amount of, of feedback where it's like, what's your favorite thing about the bar? And it's, yeah, the taste is great and the algae is cool, but I actually know what I'm eating. Like I know what mm -hmm. all these ingredients are and I feel confident putting in my body that it's good for me. So I would say that that transparency has been incredibly important mm -hmm. for consumers to, to understand. I think with COVID and in the US, there was all these outbreaks and like at the meat, pl meat right. uh, processing plants and everything. And I think that really started to open up people's eyes to this idea of like, where is your food actually coming from and what's actually happening to it before it gets to you. Mm -hmm. um, and so really being able to communicate that with our consumers has been incredible and they absolutely love it. Um, mm -hmm. and want us want like want us to keep doing that forever and ever. Right. Yeah. And you know, I feel like sometimes as consumers get an opportunity to have this transparency, they sometimes want more and more. And they say, well, okay, where does this come from? How did it get here? Um, have you and your co-founder looked at all or thought at all about, you know, there's been topics like the food blockchain and supply chain um sort of management via these technology new technologies, if you will. Um, is that something that you would be looking at in the future? As we grow, like that is something that to me is really important um, mm. that we are able to continue and use these technologies because, you know, now, now I think now that I'm in the industry and I know a little bit more, even when I'm shopping, I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. I don't want this. Like I'm going to pick this product instead. And so I get it now why are consumers want this and i think mm -hmm. anything that we can do to be able to continue giving them that transparency and, mm -hmm. and that peace of mind that comes with that transparency is we're absolutely going to to leverage yeah i feel like sometimes if i could go into a store and just read something or scan something on a product and say oh this is where it all came from and i had some trust in that that would exactly. be that could be a deciding factor at least to get you to try it um yeah. Although, as you said, at the end of the day, cost and taste uh, is going to be... It's always going to come down to cost and taste. It is. But, um, and, you know, as just you described in your process of getting involved with this space, um, you didn't get involved because of cost and taste. You got involved because of passion for sustainability. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's the important trigger 
to get people, for example, to try your product, um, but then you have to perform. You know, exactly. you're talking to athletes and everybody can get the flashy bike and the flashy, you know, outerwear, et cetera, but it doesn't mean anything <laughs> unless you can perform. I think like an, an unknown advantage of working with endurance athletes as our key market is I have the background in exercise science and kinesiology. I understand how it all works. So people will come up to me and at events, especially, and be like, like I was cramping like crazy, like my legs, like I didn't know what to do. I, and I had your bar and it immediately went away. Like, why did that happen? And I'm, I'm like, how technical do you want me to get? And I'm able to like break it down for them. And they understand like, hmm. what is this bar actually doing for my body? Um, and it's just so incredible to be able to talk to them about it. And, and again, it, it's building that trust and like, I understand, like understanding their food and what it's doing for them. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, where it's coming from, like all of these pieces, people just want to know and mm-hmm. they want to understand. And so when you're able to give that to them, it's again, that, that buy-in, that, that loyalty that you're getting, because they're like, they know what they're talking about. This is really cool. This is awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, you uh, have been in this industry for a little while now. Um, in fact, a, a tremendous percentage of your career has been spent in this industry. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, we all have different um, perspectives on the world when we get involved with something. And how has your perspective in the in the food industry changed with your experiences? Oh, good question. Um, I just, I'm definitely more aware of why things cost as much as they do mm-hmm. and why like you know the the high quality products cost so much and I at first I was like oh they're just marketing and mm-hmm. margins but now I'm like I get it um so that has definitely changed and I definitely have more of an appreciation for you know buying these uh higher quality or like all natural or whatever mm-hmm. it may be foods um I I always knew the other thing is I always knew that the the food industry was was kind of a big thing to tackle um, mm-hmm. and a big thing. And I never really understood why. Um, even I would say in the first year of doing algae, like I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm really in it and I'm engaged and, and involved, I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, so just seeing all of the going ons, I think a lot of people, especially in kind of the more whole food sex mm-hmm. uh, segment, think like oh you just like get it from the farm or wherever it's grown and you just like put it on grocery store shelves um but all of the the work and and everything that goes along with with actually doing that and you know throw in production throw in manufacturing packaging design like all of these things and I just didn't realize like how much of an operation it all is Um, Mm. so I just definitely would say I have like a better appreciation for especially the small food companies out there who are you know, really successful, really successful. And I'm able to be like, yeah, you made mm-hmm. it great job. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> well, and, and again, along with all this rapidly growing experience you have, um, you're planning the future of your product, but at the same time, you're seeing what's happening in your particular sector, but also in the broader sector of the food business. What do you see as the, the trends over the next five years? What do you see as these key customer demands from the supply side, new products, nutritional factors. What do you see are the top two or three things that are you think will be new trends and leading the future of food? Um, number one is is transparency, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of, I think number two is, is still the plant-based um, space. I think for a long time, plant-based has just sort of been synonymous with healthy 
And as I mentioned earlier, like the Beyond and Impossible burgers and the meats that came through, revolutionary in terms of just shaping this perception of what plant-based can actually be. Mm-hmm. But I think people are now starting to realize like there's a lot of products out there that just slap on plant-based and with the expectation that consumers are like, oh, this is healthy. So I'm going to pick this instead of something mm-hmm. else. Uh, I think people are starting to really understand that that's not true. Um, mm-hmm. And they are paying again, just, I think COVID really helped with this is they're paying more attention to what they're eating and what they're putting in their body. So they're starting to become aware that just because something is plant-based, that does not mean that it's it's healthy and it's good for you. Mm-hmm. So I think just transparency in all aspects of so ingredients, supply chain, just the company from the companies themselves. I think that's going to be the number one thing that we're going to keep seeing um, mm-hmm. because consumers are wanting to get that information. Um, and then, yeah, I think the like the plant-based trend, I think is, is here to stay um, mm-hmm. for, for generations to come, yeah. I would hope. Um, and I think just we're going to see a lot of innovation within the plant-based space itself mm-hmm. um, as people really are trying to, yeah, just. Yeah. Think well, I, as you said on the transparency side, um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, potential in, in what you have in front of you because frankly, marketing goes both ways. You can have positive marketing on your product. And of course there can be negative marketing from competing products. And I think that's, you know, that's been clearly one of the challenges on for plant-based diets where um, other food suppliers have promoted that if you want protein, you have to get it here because of course plants can't provide that. And what we've seen over the last, you know, several years, some pretty, pretty top level athletes with a lot of muscle on their bodies are saying, Hey, I'm a vegan or I'm vegetarian and, and it works. Um, and I think that's something that matches with your comments on transparency, but that transparency of reality. Um, and how do you see being able to bring that to your product, being able to convince the people that, you know, who think I need to have you know, three pounds of chicken in a day to continue building muscle mass. How, how do you reach those people beyond just the simple facts? I, I think just, you know, we're really trying with all of our brand messaging to as, as cheesy as this is to really speak from the heart. And mm-hmm. I, I even still am that consumer who's like very overwhelmed by all of the different options. I find personally, there's a lot of almost greenwashing in the food Mm -hmm. industry in terms of not just what's sustainable, but also what's healthy for me. And even I'm just like, I am so confused. I don't know what's going on half the time. Like I'm shopping and I'm trying to find new foods to try and new plant-based products. And I'm like, I don't even understand what this is. Um, And so I think just really drawing on that personal experience and being able to like project that into the brand and to be able to say like, I get it. I'm here with you. Like, I'm just as confused as you are, but we're going to figure this out together and Mm -hmm. being very open. I think people are really starting to resonate that, you know, having that face behind the brand. It's not just Mm -hmm. this this big company. It's these are the two founders. Um, One of the other things we're really trying to leverage is just like brand ambassadors. Um, Mm -hmm. So whether they're just influencers within like, you know, micro influencers, but we're actually trying to stay away from micro influencers even. And athletes, um, Mm -hmm. just people who are very prominent in their community Mm -hmm. um, and just very passionate and, you know, people who just see see what we're doing and love it and are just like, this is incredible. I want to support you Um, and really using them to get our messaging across and to reach these different groups of people. um, That's been been Mm -hmm. pretty helpful for us so far because it's, 
it's now not, you know, the founders of this company who are obviously biased and want their companies to succeed. Right. But it's, right. Hey, I tried this and it was incredible. And here's why I loved it. And these are the great things that they're doing. And so then people are, are going to like, this is a source they probably already trust. And so that for us has been really important in kind mm-hmm. of spreading the awareness and using that for education. Yeah. Well, I think transparency by itself is is great, but I think, and this is something I've heard from a, a number of people as well, is um, when something's coming from the heart, when there's that passion behind it, and as you described from yourself and your co-founder, that's important. Yeah. And that authenticity is very important for qualifying the transparency. So um, it sounds like that's been a, a topic that's resonated with a number of different food products that we've been talking about. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's kind of the way (laughs) and it's unfortunate, I think for larger corporations that aren't necessarily going to be able to have that. But for us, it's, you know, really leveraging our brand story, leveraging that, like we are in the exact same position as you are. We are just as lost as you are, Um, but we're here to help kind of thing. And and we can help you get through this and help you figure this out. Um, Mm -hmm. People love that because they're like, thank thank you. Like no one gets it. No one seems to get it. Yeah. Now this is this is excellent information. Um, our viewers are going to be very happy to be learning all about why algae is good for you. Um, are there any other topics that uh, you would like to cover before we start wrapping up today? I just I just want to like reemphasize like the potential of algae, not just as a food, but just kind of you know, algae as a food. I think is great and it's it's not as big as I think it's going to be yet. I think it's still very much in its infancy, but mm-hmm. algae is being looked at for so many other things. So, you know, nutraceuticals, pharmaceuticals, cosmetic ingredients. Um, but even within the food industry still, um, you know, a lot of animal feed is starting right. to incorporate algae because it does reduce yeah. emissions and it produces higher quality, like livestock, um, mm-hmm. and products that come from livestock. Um, but also too, just like the waste, aspect of, of algae actually removing waste. I think that mm-hmm. to me, that's something I've, I've only learned in the past few months. Um, mm-hmm. There are a few different companies that have kind of within Alberta, even that are, you know, oil and gas companies, they're producing all of this like greenhouse gas and they don't know what to mm-hmm. do with it. And they're looking to grow algae out of it. And I just mm. think that it's so incredible because it's going to be able to kind of create this closed loop system where right. you literally take this gas and you take sunlight and you're able to make algae with it. And then the algae has so many great uses. And mm-hmm. I think that's something people don't know about. And I think it's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, it gets me very, very excited. And um, even in kind of remote locations or in disaster relief, like you can go and set up these systems and mm-hmm. grow food, produce energy, reduce right. waste, um, all of these incredible things. And I just, I get so excited about that because again, from that sustainability aspect, these are the kind Mm -hmm. of innovations and solutions we need. And so being able to be a part of that and Mm -hmm. kind of have an end use for, or have a use for the end product of the algae from that system is is so exciting to me. So um, Mm -hmm. it's so incredible. Algae is just great. (laughs) Again, this is, I think, an important part of transparency for your product and supply chain, because like you said, it's not just about a great quality raw material that has amazing nutritional benefits, you know, there's all these potential side benefits that yeah. you can incorporate into your supply chain that make it even more sustainable beyond just, you know, a low amp 
low environmental impact food, it's actually a positive environmental impact food. Yeah. um, Yeah. It just like that whole to me to be able to, and I don't think like, I think the technology, that technology is, is kind of still in the development phase. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's even hard for me to articulate like all of the different ways that we can be able to have this impact. And yeah, you're right. It's not just going to come down from to the food and what the food, you know, the low environmental impact or mm-hmm. that the food is having, but it's this whole systemic effect that's going to be happening because of algae. Right. Um, I just think it's it's just so incredible. I'm so yes, <laughs> it's exciting. And I'm looking forward to trying the product. Now, before we wrap up, maybe um, can you remind our viewers that the two products you have on the market right now and where they might be able to find them? Yes. So we have, we are selling some spirulina powder, which is just the powder. Um, with that, I would encourage you to be as creative as you can. Um, that really, your creativity really is the limit in terms of what you can do with it. And we love when people send us in stuff that's not just smoothies, because I think smoothies are very boring and mm-hmm. can do so much more with it. So we have the powder and we have um, the impact bar, which is an unprocessed plant-based energy bar centered around spirulina algae specifically. And there's two flavors of that. So there's a sunflower and sea salt and a cocoa and cacao nib flavor with more to come soon. And that can be, we're right now selling in stores in Alberta um, as well on our website, which is algae foods, which is spelled A-L-G-I-F-O-O-D-S.com. Um, so check those Excellent. out for, to order the bars and the powder. Perfect. Well, I am fortunate to be living in Alberta and, uh, <laughs> I know when I'm going out to the food store later today, I'll be looking for your products. So I want to thank you very much. Um, again, we're here with Alessandra Amato of Algae and the company that's really bringing a very unique food to the market and really you know, finding new ways of bringing it to the customers. Thank you very much for being with us today, Alessandra. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 